0: He grew up in a time where his heritage was a source of prejudice and ridicule, but went on to become one of the most famous marksmen on the Gallipoli Peninsula during the First World War, gaining the nickname of the Anzac Sniper. The following episode will briefly touch on some of the ethnic and racial prejudices that were commonplace in Australian society towards non-Europeans in the early 1900s. These prejudices were wrong then, and they are wrong today, and do not represent my view of today's society. However, to not mention it would do the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. Welcome to I Was Only Doing My Job, an Australian military history podcast. This is the life, service, and legacy of Private William Edward Billy Singh, who served as a trooper in the Australian Light Horse in the Gallipoli Campaign of the First World War, who became known as the Anzac Sniper. William Edward Singh was born on the 3rd of March, 1886, in Claremont, Queensland, the only son of John Singh, a drover from Shanghai, China, and Mary Ann Singh, a nurse from Staffordshire, England. William, otherwise known as Billy, had two sisters, one older, one younger, though it is unclear if the eldest sister is a full or half-sister, as she was born two months before his parents married. All three children grew up on the family farm and were educated at the Bethampton Provincial School, whereby, by accounts, they performed well academically. When not at school, Singh assisted his parents in their market garden, delivering milk, fruit, and vegetables around town. When Singh was five years old, the Queensland Mounted Infantry, a unit that would eventually become one part of the Australian Light Horse, were called to Claremont to settle industrial restlessness surrounding the shearing industry, and considering his future vocation, potentially left an indelible imprint on the impressionable child. By the age of 10, he was following his father's previous profession as a drover by being able to track animals in the bush, sleep outdoors, cook over an open fire, ride a horse and fire a rifle, apparently at both kangaroos and targets, with extreme accuracy, all things that would serve him in future life. In 1910, at the age of 14, in an attempt to overcome the prejudice he suffered at his mixed ancestry, mainly due to Australia's 1901 Immigration Restriction Act, better known as the White Australia Policy, which prohibited those of non-significant European ancestry from coming to Australia, and in particular the vehement racist ideologies of early European Australians about non-Europeans, Particularly those of Chinese descent, known collectively as the Yellow Peril, that saw the approximate 29,000 ethnic Chinese already in Australia in 1901 as a subhuman threat and menace that would quickly overtake civilized white society and by restricting their movements, employment opportunities and abilities to commingle with the white Europeans would be enough to maintain racial purity. This kind of backwards thinking was still extremely prevalent well into the Second World War, and sadly to an extent still persists to this day. To avoid this, Singh moved to Proserpine in rural Queensland, where he was unknown, and presented his English half as W.E. Singh. This allowed him to gain employment on the sugarcane plantations. While there, he also joined the Proserpine Rifle Club, an entity that was partly sponsored by first the Queensland and then the Australian military force as part of the 1903 Defence Act which required all men of war-fighting age to have some form of military training in this rifle club he regularly won awards and prizes for his shooting and apparently also had great skill at cricket and athletics four years later on the 24th of October 1914 2 months after the outbreak of the First World War Singh enlisted as a trooper in the Australian 5th Light Horse Regiment of the Australian Imperial Force and assigned to its A Troop. His certificate of medical examination showed that he stood at 5 foot 5 and weighed 141 pounds, which was considered below the minimum acceptable requirements at the time, even though news articles written after the fact would exaggerate his appearance to near Herculean proportions, but that wasn't the only thing the medical officer overlooked. The 1903 Defence Act also had very specific provisions within it that forbade those without sufficient European ancestry from serving in the Australian Imperial Force in 1914. By all accounts, the recruiting officer chose to disregard the fact that he had a Chinese father. After a brief period of training in Australia, Singh departed Sydney on the 21st of December 1914 aboard the troop ship HMAT A34 Persec bound for Egypt. Like the rest of the light horse regiments stationed in Egypt, they would not be used in the initial Gallipoli landings, as the terrain was considered non-conducive for mounted troops, so they were relegated to training in the desert while the infantry went ashore, and would only be called into the lines the following month on May 16 due to rising casualty rates amongst the Mediterranean Expeditionary Force and the lack of available replacement troops, though they would leave their horses in Egypt. For the duration of their time in Gallipoli, the regiment would be assigned to the 1st Australian Division and after a month of familiarization throughout the line, the 5th Light Horse was immediately put into defensive positions in force near Monash Valley in June. Although Singh could not make use of his horse riding abilities, his accuracy with the rifle would ensure his name would become known across the peninsula, as he swapped kangaroos and targets for Ottoman Turks. Turkish snipers were causing havoc, finding plenty of places to hide in the rugged hills and shooting at opposing forces. The Allies decided that they needed snipers to compensate, and Singh was one of the men selected for this role. Biographer John Hamilton described the Turkish terrain thus, It is a country made for snipers. The Anzac in Turkish positions often overlooked each other. Each side sent out marksmen to hunt and stalk and snipe, to wait and shoot and kill, creeping with stealth through the green and brown shrubbery. Singh would be paired with Ayan Llewellyn Idris, a man who would go on to be a prolific and influential historian and writer as his initial spotter whose job was to observe the surrounding terrain and alert Singh to the potential targets. Idris described Singh as a little chap, very dark, with jet-black mustache and a goatee beard, a picturesque-looking man-killer. He was the crack shot of the Anzacs. Singh's first position in the line in his new role would be Chatham's Post, a position named after a British-born Light Horse officer, and it was here that he began in earnest his lethal occupation. While purpose-built sniper rifles did start making an appearance in the First World War, They were not a part of the arsenal of the Australian Imperial Force. So the equipment available to Australian snipers on Gallipoli was basic and in some cases nothing more than the standard issue short magazine Lee-Enfield Mark III 303 caliber rifle. The same one used by the rest of the Australian Imperial Force. However, there is anecdotal evidence that some former Rifle Club members took their own privately owned weapons with them when they left for Australia, and similarly, some of these same sporting shooters used rifles that had been fitted with various target and peep sights, primarily the LATI optical sight, though it is unclear if Singh did this. In the end, the fundamental qualifications were, and still are, an above-average eyesight and a cold-blooded resolve. Apparently, Singh would regularly creep so close to the Turkish lines, that enemy artillery rarely troubled him. From his position at Chatham's post, he had a commanding position over a number of Turkish positions. According to a fellow soldier, Private Frank Reed, every time Billy Singh felt sorry for the poor Turks, he remembered how their snipers picked off the Australian officers in early days of the landing and he hardened his heart, but he never fired on a stretcher-bearer or any of the soldiers who were trying to rescue wounded Turks. While this nobility in battle is commendable, There are also stories after spotting an injured Turk, Singh said, I'll put the poor cuss out of his agony and just shot him. Singh's reputation apparently became well known even to the Ottomans and resulted in a champion Turkish sniper nicknamed Abdul the Terrible being tasked to deal with him personally. By accounts from captured uh, Turkish soldiers and diaries, it was alleged the Turks were able to largely distinguish Singh's handiwork from other Anzac soldiers and that only the reports of incidents believed to be his would be passed on to Abdul. Through analysis of the victim's actions and wounds and where they were standing, Abdul concluded that Singh's position was at Chatham's post. After several days, Singh's spotter alerted him to a potential target, and he took aim, only to find the target Abdul looking in his direction. Singh prepared to fire, trying not to reveal his position, but the Turkish snipers noticed him and began his own firing sequence. Singh fired first and killed Abdul. Shortly thereafter, the Turkish artillery fired on Singh's position. He and his new spotter, trooper Tom Sheehan, barely managed to evacuate from Chatham's post alive. Near the beginning of August 1915, Singh was hospitalized for four days with influenza. That same month, an enemy sniper's bullet struck Sheehan's spotting telescope. The shot passed straight through Sheehan's telescope, end-to-end, wounding the strain in both hands for entering his mouth and coming out his left cheek. The almost spent bullet traveled on, completing its uh, run by striking Singh on the right shoulder. But he was back in the action after a week of recuperating. Shien, however, was more severely wounded and was shipped back to Australia. That was reportedly the only time that Singh was injured on Gallipoli, though in letters back to Australia, he stated that he suffered from piles due to long stretches of st- sitting in the same position in search for targets were supposedly so severe that he would never be able to ride a horse again. Singh's marksmanship on Gallipoli saw him dubbed the assassin or the murderer by his comrades. He reportedly acquired the latter nickname due to his callous attitude towards the enemy. By early September 1915, he had taken 119 kills, according to Brigadier General Granville Rye, commanding officer of the 2nd Australian Light Horse Brigade. Regimental records list Singh as having taken 150 confirmed kills, But on the 23rd of October, 1915, General William Birdwood, commander of Anzac forces, issued an order complimenting him on his 201 unconfirmed kills, understandably preferring the higher number. For the official kill to be recorded, Singh decided that the spotter had to see the target fall. If the first shot missed the target, it was very risky to take a second, and this could always give away the sniper team's position. Major Stephen Midgley, senior staff officer of the 5th Light Horse and an officer who was present at the Claremont-Shearer's strike, estimated Singh's tally to be close to 300 kills. Midgley later then brought this to the attention of Birdwood, who then told Lord Kitchener that if his troops could match the capacity of the Queensland sniper, the Allied forces would be in Constantinople. By accounts, General Birdwood supposedly joined Singh as his spotter on one occasion, and he had the opportunity to witness his marksmanship first hand. In February 1916, Singh was mentioned in dispatches by General Sir Ian Hamilton, commander of the Mediterranean Expeditionary Force. This was the first official recognition of his service. On the 10th of March 1916, he was awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal with a related entry in the military records reading for conspicuous gallantry from May to September 1915 at ANZAC as a sniper. His courage and skill were most marked, and he was responsible for a very large number of casualties amongst the enemy no risk being too great for him to take. Apart from the recognition he received from his superiors, Singh's exploits were also reported in British and American newspapers of the time. At the end of November 1915, Singh suffered from myalgia and was confined to the hospital ship HMHS Gloucester Castle for almost two weeks. During this time, he was conveyed to Malta, then Ishmala, Egypt. While in Egypt, he was also hospitalized with peritonitis and the mumps, but rejoined his unit at the end of March 1916. While he recovered, like many Australian soldiers stationed in Egypt during the period of expansion and retraining of the Australian Imperial Force following the evacuation of Gallipoli, where the existing two Australian divisions were doubled, with each battalion gaining a sister battalion comprised partly of Gallipoli veterans and fresh recruits from Australia, with the intent that the veterans would train their replacements, imparting the lessons gained from the campaign, While in Egypt, like their first time in country, many members of the Australian imperial force, including Singh, were major customers of Egyptian brothels and the Red Light District. Singh transferred to the 31st Infantry Battalion on the 27th of July 1916 in Tel el-Kabir and sailed for England the following month. Following a brief period of training in England, he sailed for France and entered action on the Western Front in January 1917. He was wounded in action several times and commended many times in reports by Allied commanders. In March 1917, he was wounded in the left leg and hospitalized in England. In May 1917, while recovering in Scotland, he met waitress Elizabeth A. Stewart, the daughter of a Royal Navy cook. The two were married on the 29th of June 1917 in Edinburgh. After a month with his new wife, Singh returned to the trenches in France in August 1917, but was in very poor health due to his battle wounds and the effects of gas poisoning. It is not clear whether he operated as a sniper on the Western Front, but in September 1917, he led a unit in the Battle of Polygon Wood in a counter-sniper operation. For this action, he was awarded the Orlagskuis, the Belgian Croix de Guerre, in 1918, and was also recommended for the military medal, but never received it. In November 1917, he was confined to hospital again due to problems with his previously wounded leg. In mid-February 1918, he was hospitalized due to a gunshot wound in the back. Singh suffered lung disease from his exposure to gas and it soon brought his military career to an end. Singh returned to Australia on submarine guard duty in late July 1918 and an army medical report from the 23rd of November that year noted that he had gunshot wounds to his left shoulder, back and left leg and suffered gas poisoning. The report stated that his general health was good, but he complained of coughing upon exertion. It recognized that Singh's disability were the result of his military service and were permanent, and recognized that his discharge is permanently unfit for service. Following his departure from the army, he took up a soldier settlement around his hometown of Claremont and briefly turned his hand at sheep farming, but the land he was given was unsuitable, which was a common issue plaguing most returned soldiers. He then worked as a gold miner at the MyClear Gold Mine until the veins dried up. According to some accounts at the time, Singh and his wife were honoured by the local community when they arrived in Proserpine, Queensland in late 1918. Other accounts, however, state that although Singh arranged for passage from Scotland to Australia for his wife, there was no evidence that she actually made the journey. If Singh's wife did come to Australia, it appears she left her husband after a few years. It is suggested that the transition from the Green Hills and ancient culture of Edinburgh the dust and rough life of the mining district around Claremont must have been traumatizing for Elizabeth Singh. That might have been the reason why she departed, though in 2009, historian Alastair Kennedy reported that Singh's medical records from December 1917, a few months after he married, stated that he was diagnosed first with a venereal disease, then syphilis. Kennedy hypothesized that Elizabeth Singh might have learned of her husband's condition and decided to end the marriage. Recent research shows that Elizabeth remained in Edinburgh. She had a daughter, Mary, in 1919, and a son, Theo, in 1924, to different fathers, neither of whom were Billy Singh. She travelled to Australia in 1925 with her two children and settled in Paddington, New South Wales. She adopted the surname of her son's father and lived in New South Wales with her son's father until her death in Wollongong in the 1970s. It is not known whether she had any contact with Singh after her arrival in Australia. In contrast to his fame during the First World War, Singh died in relative poverty and obscurity in West End Brisbane during the Second World War. In his latter life, Singh reported chest back and heart pain. His elder sister or half-sister, Mary Ann Elizabeth, had died in childbirth in 1915, and in 1942, Singh moved from the Maiklia to Brisbane, telling his surviving sister Beatrice that it was cheaper to live there, and his final occupation was that of a labourer. Singh died alone in his room in a boarding house in West End, Brisbane, on the 19th of May, 1943, at the age of 57. The cause of death was a ruptured aorta. His only significant possessions were a hut worth around £20 on a mining claim and mere five shillings found with him in his room. There were no sign of his medals or awards from the First World War, and his employees owed him about £6 in wages. Singh was buried in Lutwich War Cemetery in Kendron, in the northern suburb of Brisbane, in a pauper's grave until it was discovered in 1993 when a marker was placed upon it. His grave is now part of the Lawn Cemetery section of the Lutwich Cemetery, with the inscription on his headstone reading, At Rest, William Edward Billy Singh, DCM, born Claremont, Queensland, 2nd, 3rd, 1886 to 1905, 1943. Regimental number 355, Australian 5th Light Horse Regiment, and later 31st Infantry Battalion. Son of John Singh, born Shanghai, and Mary Ann, ni Pug, born England. And married for a time to Elizabeth Stewart in Edinburgh on the 29th to the 6th, 1917. A man of all trades, Private Singh was awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal for Conspicuous Gallantry, the Belden Croix de Guerre, and mentioned often in dispatches. Serving at Gallipoli and in France from 1915 to 1918, He became known as Australia's most effective marksman sniper, accounting for more than 150 of the opposing forces. His incredible accuracy contributed greatly to the preservation of the lives of those of whom he served during the war and always remembered for countless acts of valor and tragic carnage. The Queensland Military Historical Society set up a bronze plaque at 304 Montague Road, South Brisbane, where Singh had died. In 1995, a statue of Singh was unveiled with honour in his hometown of Claremont at at Hood's Lagoon. In 2004, an Australian army sniper team in Baghdad named their post the Billy Singh Bar and Grill. On the 19th of May, 2009, on the 66th anniversary of Singh's death, the Chinese Consul General, Ren Gongping, along with Returned and Services League of Australia Officers and Community Leaguers, laid wreaths at his grave. Ren said, Billy Singh is a symbol of the long history of Chinese in Australia, and a great role they have played in your nation's past. It also reminds us that China and Australia were allies through both world wars, and that we have a long and proud shared past. Singh's life was recounted in a number of books, both biographical and about the Gallipoli campaign in particular, as well as in television miniseries. For the 100th anniversary of the commemoration of the gallipoli landings a monument was erected to sing at the ludwig cemetery in brisbane near his gravestone by the billy singh memorial committee it was officially unveiled on the anniversary of his death and shows billy singh from the waist up at his gun poking through sandbags like he would on gallipoli each year on the weekend immediately before anzac day or the 25th of april The William Billy Singh Memorial Shooting Competition is held at the North Arm Rifle Range on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, using Lee-Enfield military service rifles. The competition is held over several hundred meters worth of stages, with the highest scorer awarded the William Billy Singh Memorial Trophy. William Edward Billy Singh was one of many Australians of Chinese descent who served with distinction in the Australian forces during the First World War and was one of around 400 people of Chinese descent who served in Australia's military forces during the 20th century. Like so many men who have been previously covered in this podcast, his fame may have been immediate, but it was sadly short-lived. But his legacy should never be forgotten, and for that, Billy Singh, we are eternally grateful. Thanks for listening to the I Was Only Doing My Job podcast, a Doc Network production. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Ross Manuel, with additional research done by Laurie Favell. I'd really appreciate it, and it would help out the show, if you took some time to share this with a friend, or leave a review on Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or iTunes, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts, as it really helps other people find the show. If you want to know more about today's episode, with photos, show notes, and transcripts, head to www.thedocnetwork.net, and follow the show on IWODMJ on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't worry, there's a link in the show notes. If you want to follow me for history-related hijinks and other nerdery, you can follow me on a practically everything at Doc Winters. Once again, thanks for listening, and catch you next time. Bye.